Wow. Well, one of our first songs had, had a phrase in it that caught my eye. Um, nothing, nothing, help me with the lyrics. Nothing alone, nothing will satisfy. What was the satisfy song? We won't be satisfied with anything. We, we won't be satisfied with anything ordinary. We won't be satisfied at all. We won't be satisfied with anything ordinary. We won't be satisfied at all. Now, why is that? Why is that? I think it was Martin Luther that said that our, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Speaking of God. And the psalmist has said much the same thing when he said that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Maybe a God-shaped void, but that, that doesn't even do it justice. How is it that we could long for something we've never fully experienced? That, that heaven is within our hearts. How is it that a child that has never known satisfaction other than through an umbilical cord comes into this world crying for that which is he's never experienced, a mother's milk. How is that? Because God is our maker. Because God places desires within us that direct us towards him. And the reason he places those desires in us is he wants us to settle for nothing less than his perfection, his fullness, his love, his complete acceptance. You, you, you may try to fill that with things in this world, but underneath it all is this deep hunger that by the pervening grace of God, I don't think anything in this world can extinguish but ourselves. It's that great hunger and satisfaction that anyone that we lock eyes with in this world, even if they seem very different from us, even if they're a total stranger from us, you can be certain because your God created them too, that deep within them, even if they're completely unconscious of it at the moment, the Holy Spirit can touch that hunger in them <coughs> for the well that lives in you. The very Spirit of God. Why do we come to this table? Why do we break this bread? Because all of us have the same hunger. We're just one beggar sharing with another where we found bread. So this morning, feed deeply. Let your soul be satisfied with that for which it was meant. God. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup 
of the new covenant and my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord God, we pray that you pour out your presence, that which truly satisfies on us here this morning. Bless these gifts of juice and bread and through them and our partaking of them, our faith receiving them, Lord God, satisfy our souls. We ask this in the name of your Son, our bread of life. And we pray even as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wow, you answered the cry of the broken. Terry had no idea what the communion message was going to be last night. I didn't have any idea. From the cry of a baby for that which truly satisfies. Wow. Isn't God good? I think he's in control of all this. And I just pray that we can be instruments of all that he's doing and continues to do around us. If there's anything that I think Jesus made abundantly clear that took us completely off guard is that there are few things that we underestimate more. Few things that we underestimate more than God's love for each of us. We underestimate that when we're applying it to ourselves. We underestimate that when we encounter others in the world. Few things we underestimate more than than God's love for each of us. Jesus came to show us uh, that paradigm shift that has to take place in our hearts if we're ever going to join God and his work in this world in any meaningful way. Jesus said that no one knows the Father but the Son. I, it would have been a little, a little softer to have said, no one knows the Father like the Son. But he said it even stronger than that. No one really knows the heart of my Father like I do. And to whom he chooses to reveal. Jesus knows God and therefore he can show us God. The same Jesus who... Before he did a single act of ministry, he comes to John the Baptist in the wilderness, and out of the heavens, his heavenly Father speaks over him what? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Before he does a thing. And, and we can say, wow, of course. The heavenly father loves his son. But Jesus' message was that that same heart is for all of us because he sent his son into this world for us. He was willing to lay down his life for us because Jesus understood the heart of the father and the heart of the father 
was his own. But so, so often we don't get that. It was to one who underestimated the love of God for each of us to whom Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 was spoken, we think, at the end of a conversation with one named Nicodemus who didn't understand God's love who thought that if he was going to be born again, that the only candidate for loving him that much was his mother. And so he thought, how is it that I can enter a womb a second time to be born a second time? It didn't even make sense. Now the word there that he uses for born again, the again word, can also mean in Greek another entirely different meaning that you have to just kind of get out of the context. It can mean born again as in a second time, or it can mean born anothen, which means from above. But I want you to notice what Nicodemus did. He thought born from above, that means born of God, that God would bear me, that God would put up with me, that God would love me like that. Unthinkable. It's more logical for me to, as a grown man, somehow be born again from my mother's womb because nobody loves me like mom. He was so wrong. But that's why he didn't get it. He completely underestimated the love of God for each of us. And, and, and because Jesus understood that, but so often we don't, many people, listen, they, they misunderstood Jesus. They said, what are you doing? You're you're eating and fellowshipping with sinners. And when they said that, they weren't impressed. They meant it as a criticism. Have you lost your ever-loving mind? Don't you have good morals, my man? Don't you know who people like you ought to associate with? And Jesus could have just said, yes, and left it at that. But he cared even for those who were criticizing too much to leave it there. And, and so he tells three parables in Luke chapter 15. And we're only going to look at the first two today. And in each one of these parables, he tells one for the guys. They would understand the heart of a shepherd in the field. And he tells another one, I think, for, for the ladies who are listening. He tells the story that they would understand about a lady in her home. But he tells each of these parables... And as you listen to that, I want you to listen for the three points of development in each one of these stories. And they stand out because they're so parallel. This is an intentional thing that Jesus is emphasizing here. And both of these parables are these three points of development. The first one is something valuable is lost. The second development is whatever is lost and is valuable warrants an unrelenting search until it's found by the one who knows it's lost and values it. Something's lost that's valuable. It warrants an all-out search, too. And three, the result, celebration. Joy. Joy such that it can't be contained and joy such that it has to be shared. Something valuable is lost. It warrants an all-out search. And when it's found, 
the party really begins. Here's the parable as Jesus told it. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. What man of you having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? He layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which I had lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Luke fifteen. And all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. All the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble saying, this man receives sinners. He even eats with them. And he told them this parable. And he told the one that we just heard and then he turned and told yet another without even stopping. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully that she may find it. And then when she has found it she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying rejoice with me for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way I tell you There is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Joy over one sinner who repents. The Pharisees actually had a saying. In the presence of God, when one sinner... uh, Oh, oh, let's see. There's joy in the presence of God. 
when one sinner is annihilated. What a stark contrast. Jesus uses that very phrase and works it in a different way. No, 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 you misunderstand. Something valuable is lost. Maybe it's something that others would otherwise discard. It's just a smelly sheep. It could be seen as something else. Who cares about the sheep? I've got more important things to take note of in my life. Or maybe it's just a lost coin. I mean, you've probably got some in, in the, in the, under the cushions of your sofa right even now. Just, just, just a lost coin. But to this woman, it was, it was very precious. Something valuable is lost. And there's a reason it was very valuable to her. It, it, was, it was a drachma. In the Greek, it actually tells what kind of coin. And that, that was like a day's wage. Maybe it was important to her just for the fact that if she didn't find that coin, her family wouldn't eat that day. Most people in that time lived on that kind of a margin. But he doesn't say it's just one coin that's lost. He says it's one of ten that's lost. As if it's part of a set. And, and women in that day would often wear a set of coins. It, it was almost like a dowry. And in the East still today, sometimes they will wear headdresses with these kinds of coins. They're silver, but they actually have uh, valuable coins hanging from them. And not only are they valuable in and of themselves, but these are uh, a wedding gift. This, this is like a dowry. This is to adorn her all the days of her life. This is a gift with great sentimental value to it as well. Uh, and in fact, it could not be taken from her even in dire debt. It was, it was lawfully protected. And yet a coin from that string is missing. Do you know what they're saying? They're saying, this is, it's equivalent to saying there was a woman at home who lost her rock, right? But it's a particular rock. It's valuable in and of itself. And oh Lord, I'm about to find that before honey gets home. You know what I'm talking about? This, this, is, this, is, this is precious to her. And so the women who were hearing this, have any of you ever got a prong that was loose and actually lost one? You don't have to hold your hand. But if you come up to you, yeah. You remember the panic? Do you remember that sense of urgency? It's lost. I just noticed it. it I lost it somewhere. I, I, I wonder if I should even move. You know, that, that kind of, I'm going to be careful picking up papers in case, in case it's lodged there. I don't, I don't want to displace it further. You know, there's, there's, there's this sense, not only that something is lost, but unless I find it quickly, it's going to get more and more lost. Like a coin, uh, or, or, like a sheep that's lost. Now, not only it's lost, but it's lost and wandering. And, and, and so time is of the essence too. There's a sense that if, if I don't go and find it now, because it's lost, it's going to get more and more lost. There's a sense of, of urgency about something valuable being out of its place, disconnected from its owner, disconnected from its caregiver, disconnected from the one who values it most. Now, someone else could have found the coin, but I dare say that coin and whatever it has intrinsic value means little compared to what it means to the woman who's lost that coin. 
God has a that person kind of personableness to his love. I, that's horrible, he said. Uh, but, 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 but it's intimately personal. We are not just numbers in a book of salvation. He knows us by name. Like the shepherd who calls even his sheep by name. And they only follow him because they're familiar with his voice. Jesus told all kinds of parables to sensitize us to the fact that we're far more valuable to God than we realize. And everyone we know is too. If the Pharisees had understood that, maybe they would have understood why he was hanging out with sinners because... He saw them differently. He saw them as lost from the one who values them most. He saw them as in jeopardy. He saw them as the one who most needed a savior at that moment. Second of all, it warrants an all-out search. We walk through each of you see the celebration going over there? That's awesome. It it warrants an all-out search. And then finally it comes to celebration. Let's go on to the next slide. Because here's a picture of, a, uh, of the woman. See her coin that's missing there? I don't think she notices it yet. But the next slide. Now she does. <laughs> Something of great value is lost. Uh, and it warrants an unrelenting search. Now let's stop right there for a second. Look at that picture. This is how Jesus paints God for us. On his knees in an all-out search. Because you are that valuable to him. Wherever you're lost, no matter how dark it is, he's coming for you. His heart will not be satisfied. Notice how it phrases it. That, that they search until they are found. I love those, those pictures of the shepherd, didn't you? Crossing the fields weathering the storm, relentless. He will not stop until he finds. The unrelenting search continues until it's found. She finds the coin. And then finally there's celebration. All the other gals know exactly what she's feeling. There's a celebration. But what what was the disconnect for the Pharisees? They, They didn't value people the way God valued people. So they weren't even prompted to a search. And most pathetically, they were missing out on the greatest celebration of all. Wow. So the messages of these parables are, is pretty simple. The first one is that valuables are missing. And the valuables aren't coins and diamonds and things. Valuables are people. People matter to God. And they matter so to God that he comes for them. And there's a sense of urgency in his heart. When Jesus was crucified and he paid the price fully for our sins that now would... Would, would allow the holy to mingle with those that he had cleansed. It says in that moment that he passed that the curtain in the holy of holies that separated that which was holy from that which was not holy was rent asunder from top 
to bottom, not from bottom to top, as if men had gotten a hold of it and pulled really hard and eventually worked it open. No, it was torn asunder from the top to the bottom, as if you could almost see God's knuckles up there in the top of the curtain, ripping that thing open in order to finally get to his lost valuables. That's the heart of God. And, and if people matter that much to God, then as Bill Hybel says, people matter to us. People matter to us. God isn't alone in knowing that people matter that much. All of us that have been claimed by that love surely have already discovered that this kind of heart is the heart of God that's claimed us. We know it and we celebrate it. And if we know that people are apart from that kind of love. Then our heart ought to beat with his. Time's wasting. Now, now when we approach people who aren't in touch with that as yet. Quite often our motives can be suspect. I, I approached a. Uh, looked like a double date going on. A couple of couples, maybe in their 30s, uh, the other night. Uh, on, on Saturday nights, often, uh, in order to just stay in the rhythm of, of, of what God's starting to prepare, I'll, I'll work in the study for a while, and then about dinner time, I'll go to a restaurant nearby, and uh, all, all the waitresses in there already know me by name. I don't even get seated. I just walk right past the station. And not that I'm anything special. Anybody can do this if you're willing to eat in the bar. And I found that out a long time ago. So I'll go and I'll eat by myself in the bar. I've known four or five of the waiters that have gone there, per, you know, that are, are waiters and the bartenders and so forth. And, and it, it's, it's kind of my home kitchen on Saturday night, I have to admit, you know, pastor in a bar. God help us. <laughs> but it's the quickest way to get served and get out of there. And, 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 uh, so I was, I was in there the other night, and I, I had some of these uh, little um, invite cards for our church that we're making, and, and a couple of, and a voucher that was stapled to each one of them. I had them, they were just burning in my pocket, you know. So it was my first time out, really, in the afternoon. And, and uh, I thought, well, there's a bunch of strangers in here. But then I thought, Oh, you know, I got to go back and prepare the sermon, and that's just, just not, you know, what I mean? you you have these excuses too, right? But but there was this there was this table of of four, and they were just cackling and having the greatest time, you know, and they were down in some brewskis pretty fast. Your pastor wasn't, just in case any of you are concerned. <laughs> I, I I wasn't drinking; I was just eating. Uh, but 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 they they were down in the brewskis pretty fast, and they they you know. Far too loud, I could overhear their conversation, which was actually a benefit for me. Because as I sat there and ate my meal, the heart tug started. And I said, God, do you want me to approach those folks? They'll think I'm an idiot. I mean, uh, I, I don't know those folks. How do I start in a conversation with somebody like that? You know, how, there's all kinds of barriers just across a room, isn't there? And, 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 and I watched as they interacted with, with the waiter, and the waiter forgot to bring something. And the big guy, who was apparently a military dude because he had the stuff on that would suggest such, dressed completely in black, stood up, chains dangling, and walked toward the door. And I don't know what he said, but that bartender was out of there like lickety split, and he came right back with whatever this guy needed, you know. And, uh, 
uh, I watched him walk to the bar, and it, he was walking as a man that was going to be dealt with. You know what I'm saying? So this, this, this guy's even just a little bit intimidating, just who he is. And he's the one that's facing me, you know. And I, I found myself as I was praying through this, I, I would be looking at him, you know. And every now and then he'd look up like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at over there? Uh, you know, and I was having all the, then the fantasies would start, you know, what are you looking at, boy? You know, I was ready for him to come and deal with me too. You know, I, I wasn't, and so, and so I'd look down, I'd look up at the game and pretend I was watching that on the TV and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was praying, I, I said, God, you know, if, 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 if this is right, I, I trust that you will confirm this in some way that you, you know, and uh, help me understand that this is right. I don't want to just throw these vouchers away. But then something else. To, and, and then the gal who's back to me, all of a sudden, as soon as I was praying that, started talking about movies she had seen recently. <laughs> you know, and if you've been in one of those situations, then the question begins, you know, God, I asked you about something. Was that it? <laughs> and And... Uh, you know, but, but it wasn't absolutely conclusive. There's still going to be some faith involved here to, to step out and just cross the room, right? So I'm not half through with my dinner. I got a little time here, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, I'm saying, oh, I don't even know. You know, I got all these objections. Here I am arguing with God. I said, you know, God, I don't even know if they're from Broken Arrow. You know, what? maybe they're in, maybe it's, they, they seem to know each other very well, having a great time. Maybe it's somebody in from out of town. And I, I tried to listen to, are they from around here? Is there any clues there, you know? And then I was, you know, this probably, and I was pushing back from it, pushing back from it. And then I, I continued to pray. And you know what started stirring in my heart? I think God started helping me feel how he felt for them. And there was nothing that I heard in those conversations or in their actions. They seemed like nice, wonderful people, but nothing in those conversations that gave me any kind of indication that they might already have a relationship with God that they cherished, you know. Just between me and you, that was not on the radar. And I raised that objection and felt in my heart Jesus say, perfect. Right? And because people matter so much to God, if we, if we will ask God to show us how he cares for them, it's amazing the motivations that will start to clarify in our heart and for how we can approach them. I, I didn't do it perfectly. It was kind of, you know, I walked over to him and I learned from my dad a long time ago that one of the best ways to start a conversation is with a compliment. You know, just affirm somebody. Doesn't have to be anything freaky or weird. Just affirm what you've observed. And, and, and so I got up from where I was. I had my tickets in my pocket and I was a little bit nervous. It's a little bit nervous because I, I didn't know how, how this was going to go at all, you know. And, and, and so I walk over and I decided I'm going to address the big dude first to make sure he doesn't thump me, you know. And, and, and so I said, hey, I, I'm Chris and you don't know me. And he gave me his name and, you know, and I said, I, I've just been sitting over there and I've just enjoyed the way you guys enjoy each other. I've, I've, 
My heart's been cheered up just by hearing you guys laugh and tell your stories. And all of a sudden, the big guy looked at me and smiled. And I said, this may seem completely weird to you, but I, I just... I just feel a nudge to do something here, and I, I, hope, I hope you can receive it. There's no strings attached. Um, I started talking to them about uh, a movie that was going to start next weekend. Asked them if they double dated often, and they said, yeah. And I said, well, maybe for your next double date, starting next weekend, this movie's going to be showing. You don't have to go opening weekend. You can go anytime. But I just, I've got some vouchers here for the Warren Theater. And then their lights, eyes really brightened up, you know. Wow, really? You know, and I, I handed them each one of those things. And I said, you know, and attached to that voucher is just a, a little invite back to a church that I'm a part of. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and if you go to the movie and that raises any kind of questions for you, I just want you to know for the next month or so, uh, we're going to be answering questions that come to mind prompted by that movie. It's going to be an awesome movie. And then... At that moment, the gal who had had her back to me the whole time pipes up and she says, where do you go to church? And I said, well, you know, it's just about two miles away here, a little church. There's a little map on the back of it. You can find it there. It's pretty, 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 pretty easy on the back of the thing right there. And she said, you know, I, it was years back, but I read a book called The Shack. Is that, was it about that book? And I said, Yeah. She said, I've been hoping they'd make a movie out of that. This is awesome. And I thought, God, why did I have to eat so many chips before I did this? <laughs> but, but people matter to God, and, and they matter to us, and, and, and we, we can count on... Him being a part of that, if we'll just pray through that and be prompted. There may be people that, that we shouldn't approach. The timing's not right, and the Spirit knows that, and, that, and that's okay. You can give them a coupon, they can go take. But, but, but if we'll just be sensitive and open, there's no telling who he might prompt us to cross the room and start a conversation. It may be somebody at work. It may be somebody working, and it, it, there's, it's difficult sometimes to bring up spiritual conversations, but I can't imagine any easier way than giving somebody at work that you've yet to have a spiritual conversation with one of these vouchers and say, you can go anytime, you're happy to, yeah, yeah, I'd love to take you if you want to go with me, but anytime you want to go, just go see it. Tell me when you've seen it. I want, you to, I want to know what you think. You want to know how to start a spiritual conversation after you've done that? Hey, what'd you think of the movie? That is all it takes. And the doors are wide open. Hey, wh- wh- what was it in the movie that, uh, that you really found interesting, surprising, touching, mind-blowing? Man, you, you, you'll be in all kinds of spiritual conversation then. Hey, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why... God's depicted as a black woman in one scene and as a rugged Indian in another. I, I don't, but we're talking about that at church here. Maybe the pastor will have some explanations. for You want, you want to come? Well, just go with me this weekend. Really? No, here, here's, here's an invite. And you see down at the bottom, it says free breakfast. Just present that and, and they'll serve you a free hot breakfast. They don't have to know that, that they'd serve, get a free hot breakfast anyway. <laughs> is, 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 is that bad? Is that... 
And in fact, on these invitations that I have, I plan on taking the invitations and where it says free hot breakfast down there, I plan on taking a highlighter and just marking that. You know, they may have the spiritual munchies. They may have no, you know what it is to have the munchies? Know that you're hungry for something, not quite sure what it is. And you go to the refrigerator and you just. Ever had the spiritual munchies? All kinds of people in our world have a spiritual munchies. They've got that eternity within their soul, that longing that God's given every human being you'll ever lock eyes with to be connected with him. Their hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. And and, and it's there and it it resonates. They've got the munchies. They just don't know what they're munching for. They don't, you know, invite them to church. Let them have a sample. I can't imagine it, it being much easier this. Now, now, you can give away a voucher. I've got about, uh, I bought a hundred. Shh, don't tell nobody. I bought a hundred. Don't know where it's coming from in the budget yet. But about, about a hundred. And uh, we've already started giving them out. I've got some more in my pocket this morning. You, you want a free voucher to give to somebody else. You see me after the service, I'll give you a free voucher to go and share it with them. It's stapled to one of these little cards. But, but, but here's another way that you might do We're going to buy, buy more vouchers. Like I said, um, I, I couldn't justify spending a lot more than that without getting in ter- trouble with my financial secretary, you see. But, but I would love to buy hundreds and hundreds of these vouchers. And over the next month, just be a, a, an instrument of God to get people to something that's going to blow their minds about who he truly is. Get under all the radars of how they've got God in a convenient little box and put him over there on a, sh- on a shelf somewhere where they don't have to deal with that anymore. But the, the hound of heaven has their scent. The shepherd is on the search. The lady of the house will not quit until she finds so some of you, how many of you just have tentative plans? Maybe they're not, they're not in stone yet, but you, you have just kind of anticipatory plans to see the movie opening weekend. Some opening weekend folks. Okay, this is for you, you opening weekend people. I've got about 200 of these little invite cards, okay? Now, again, I'll have them up here, and anybody who wants to come and get 15 or 20, I, I, invite, I invite you to do that. But especially if you're going to opening weekend, I want you to take these invite cards. And all I'm asking you to do is go to the movie. Go to the movie with these invite cards in your pocket. Don't ask anyone's permission. It's not necessary. We live in a free society. <laughs> but as soon as the movie is over, if you can pull it together... I want you to split these with whoever came with you that, that's from our church, maybe. If two of you are there, one of you go to the door, throw away your popcorn, and just kind of stand back. And as people start coming out, just go, Lord, is it him? Lord, is it her? Lord, is it him? Lord, is it her? And if you feel prompted, I, I just want you to hand them one of these cards and said, keep this. There's a free breakfast involved. They'll read it. Just, you know, just to find out about the free breakfast. Just, just say whatever you want. Don't say anything. Just say, here. Here. That's, that's cool. That's fine. Just give them a little, here. Uh, th- th- that would be fine if you're not a person that's big on talking, you know. If, if you can't even just hold out the card. 
hold out the card, let them pass. See who takes it. I, I, it's, it give them away as people leave. Or the other person who has the other half of the cards, stick around because there will be people in this audience, I almost guarantee you, that will be so messed up at the end of this movie that they will be far too prideful to get up and walk out when the lights go on. You know what I mean? It's going to be, oh my God, I can't, no, no. I just got to think about this for a minute. And when you see those people, pray. Pray. And, and just walk over to one of them and said, I'm praying for you. I don't want to give you this. If they want to say anything else, that'd be awesome. If they want to pray with you, or you may feel bold enough to say, is there any way I could pray for you? You may only talk to one person. You may spend the rest of your time in that conversation that has a hard time ending. Or there may be several people there that you just want to hand out these cards to. Because I I can almost guarantee you, after watching this movie, people are going to have some stuff to unpack. That's always the case when God gets close to our hearts. Give a voucher. Hand out these invites opening weekend. Again, they'll they'll be available up here. I'd love to give them away. I tell you what, I'm going to go to the door. I'll sneak out to the door before y'all get out and I'll be there. You can tell a pastor's been strategizing. I'm still... uh, And and then starting starting March 12th, bring them here. If if you take a friend of the movie and water cooler talks happen at work after that and, and they've still got questions and still have ponderings, Go, you know, th- this is awesome stuff. And uh, we're, we're talking about this at, at church and just uh, considering all these things that this movie has prompted in us. And, man, I'd love for you to come. Uh, come hungry. We'll feed you breakfast. And why not this Sunday? I'll come pick you up. Uh, bring friends starting March 12th here to church. And, and here's a total other idea. I, I would like to offer myself for a... Take your pastor to work day. <laughs> now, some of you right now are thinking, oh my God, he's got to be kidding. Uh, why, why would I want him in my workplace? And I understand that. I understand. That. And, and maybe we need to talk about this, but I would love to scheme with you some way to be a presence in your workplace with some of your other friends or a presence in your school with some of your other friends or a presence wherever you go in such a way that just the novelty of a new person there might give them a reason to start some conversations. Who was that guy? You, you, may, you may have kind of a, a staff pep talk. I'll help. Uh, let me come and just share something once I know your people and how it would work that, that might help motivate your friends at work. You, you, you may already have a Bible study at work with a, with a group of friends that are there. I, I would love to come and share if that's something that would work. You, you may want to just go to lunch with some other people at work and say, hey, I've invited a friend along, and they discover that I'm your pastor. What, what might happen after those kind of conversations and this novel weirdo comes into your world and, and shares some stuff, you know, just a simple, where did he get that? 
You know, what, what, what was he, who is that guy? What, what was he talking about? Can you, can you imagine how easier, much easier a spiritual conversation might become if, if you had an instance like that to start working with? I'm just saying. I, what I'm saying is, I'm available for up to three to four hours. And all we need to do is schedule it. And we'll figure out a way to make it work. But God has laid on my heart that 20 and more people this year are going to come to know him that have not known him. And and I want to have enough of the Father's heart that I'm willing to go anywhere and talk to anybody to get in on some of that joy. And, and, And if you're on time with the Father at home, we'll talk about this one next week, the elder brother. If it's become... Uh, laborious and, and, and your faith is boring. Whew. Form a search party. That's all I got to say. Form a search party and, and see what, what God might do. And you know, you know the amazing thing that happens when you start feeling God's heart for someone else and when you start sharing God's heart with someone else and when they discover the amazing reality of how God feels about them, guess what? It's true for you too. You've just rediscovered the joy of your own faith. How could a party not break out? How could a party not break out? But, but not only are search parties forming. Forget what the next point is. Uh, celebrations are shared. That's absolutely right. Celebrations are shared. The, the, the shepherd, the, the, the lady of the house, rejoice with me for what was found is, is, is now lost. We can rejoice with God. It's His love that will help you cross the room. It's His joy that will celebrate the results. And and I wonder if if you can not only rejoice with God, but if we can rejoice over them with each other. Let me ask you, if if, if I made a friend that, that I was hoping would take some steps towards God. I'm excited because I, I see some curiosity there. I see some, I see some hunger there. I see some openness there. But, but they're a little rough around the edges. You know what I'm saying? They might not be completely sober from all those beers they had last night. But would my friend be safe among you guys? Could I count on you to rejoice with me? Is this the kind of church that can do that with one another? That that when we bring friends into church that definitely ain't church broke? Can I count on you to love them, to be gentle with them, to be sensitive to them, to be welcoming of them, to be encouraging of them, to be affirming of them. Would you find something to affirm about a person that is so radically different from you? Well, you rejoice over them. That's what the scripture says when even one sinner turns towards God, that all of heaven rejoices with him, and I can't help but believe that some of that joy spills over to us here and now. I've got to, got to close with this story. Tony Campolo shares of uh, going on a speaking event in Honolulu, Hawaii. <sighs> oh, for speaking 
invitations like that. You know what I'm talking about? Slap out Oklahoma. That's where I get invited. But he gets, he gets invited to Honolulu, Hawaii. He goes to Honolulu, and if you've ever traveled that far, you know the drill. You get there, your body clock's about 12 hours behind when you get there. So he gets there the first night, and he can't sleep. I mean, it's noon in his world, you know. He cannot sleep at all. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, he's hungry, and he's just, what else to do? So he goes out in the street, and most everything is shut down, even in bustling Honolulu, Hawaii, but he finds, he finds this little all-night di- diner back on this alley, and he goes into the diner, he walks in the there's not even tables, just, just stools at the, at the bar, you know, and Harry is behind the, this service bar, and he takes his cigar out of his mouth and says, what do you want? And, you know, he thought, oh, God, I'm in it now, you know, so he, he walks over, he sits down, he sees, he sees the, uh, the menu, but it's one of those laminated ones, you know, that hadn't been wiped off for about a month, you know, and he could tell what people had been eating. And he, he, you know, he's not real sure he wants to touch that. And he said, oh, how how about a donut, you know? And Harry goes, okay, there's your donut, you know, and, and, so you got the picture for it, and, and he's sitting down wondering how he's going to approach that donut. And at three o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, nine hookers come into the little diner. And there's only one other guy in there. And here's Tim, Tony Campolo, sociologist and man of God, in a diner at three o'clock in the morning with nine hookers. Now, this, this could make most pastors nervous. But, but Tony just, just tries to go with it, and he starts overhearing the conversation. And, and the hooker that sits next to him in, in that bar stool turns to her friend, and she says, hey, hey, tomorrow's my birthday. And he hears her turn back to her friend and go, your birthday? What do you want me to do, get you a cake? You want to blow out some candles? So what's your birthday? And she said, well, you know, I, no, I wasn't expecting much. In fact, I... I don't think I've ever had a birthday party. But it is my birthday. And they get their coffees and walk back into the night. Agnes was a little upset. She left first. Some of her friends are kind of, you know, slowly getting their stuff together to go back out and all of a sudden, you know, Tony was kind of wondering, you know, God, why do you have me in here now? And, and all of a sudden it came to him, that's it. He heard that. He thought, that's it. And he turned to Harry and he said, Harry, how about you and me throwing a birthday party for a hooker? This Agnes over here. And Harry goes, that's a great idea. Janice, come out here. The sociologist here wants to throw a birthday party for Agnes. Oh, that's wonderful. I love Agnes. I mean, you wouldn't expect by what she does, but she's one of the most kind people I've ever met. You know? I don't know why people in Honolulu would have a New York accent, but that's what we got here. And, 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 and he, says, he says, okay, would you mind if I, I brought crepe paper? We'll do it all up. And, and Tony says, no, I'll go get a cake. And he says, forget about the cake. That's my end. I'll handle the cake. And he thought, oh, God, you know. But, but so, so Harry makes the cake, all the other uh, hookers, 
you know, think this is wonderful. They're going to tell all their friends. And the next night at 2 o'clock in the morning, thank God Tony's body clock was still off. You know, he shows up at 2 o'clock, puts up all the crate papers, got a big banner over the, over the stove in the back, you know, that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes, 39. The cake's there, the candles are there. All of her friends are huddled into this little diner at 3 o'clock in the morning, and in walks Agnes. And he had them all, had them all prepared. Happy birthday, Agnes! And everybody claps, and she almost buckles hearing that. And then Harry blows her away. He said, come on over here, Agnes. Here's your cake. And he puts it out in front of her, and he lights the candles. And she sees her cake, and she's just done. She starts weeping, and Harry's, oh, come on, Agnes. Just blow out the candles. And she said... I'll help you. And so he blows out the candle. And he said, now here's a, here's a knife. Cut the cake. Cut the cake. Don't you want to share your cake? And she says, oh, do, do I have to cut it? Do I have to cut it? I've, I've got to show it to my mom. She, she lives just a couple houses down. Can, can I show it to her? I promise I'll come right back. And she picks up the cake without hearing an answer. And she very carefully walks it towards the door and backs out through the door and into the street. And in the room, there's absolute silence. Some of the other ladies of the night have started to to weep. And all of a sudden, Tony says, can I pray? And there's no answer. And so he just starts, Lord God, I thank you that you love Agnes. And I pray for all the ways that she has been mistreated and broken by men in her life. It probably started early, God, so I'm asking you to go deep. And I'm asking you this night to remind her how precious she is in your sight. And I'm asking you to start the healing that will Blossom her into who you've always known her to be. Amen. And to his surprise, there was a murmur of echo in the room. Amen. And then Harry started. Hey, Campolo, I thought you said you were a sociologist. You're no sociologist. You're one of those blankety-blank preachers, ain't you? You know, Tony didn't say much. And he said, so, so what kind of church are you the preacher of? And Tony said it, would, it just came to him. He's not that smart. He just came, it came to him. He said, I'm the pastor of the kind of church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3 o'clock in the morning. And Harry said, no, you ain't. If you were the pastor of that kind of church, I'd be there. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? God, make us that kind of church. And if this morning you want to be a part of that kind of church, a church that bears the heart of Christ to the world, I invite you to join as we stand and sing this closing song. You come forward. Amen. Amen.